Good morning, everyone. Uh, we're in Nehemiah again today, and we're continuing on the, the theme of today's service, the big thank you. But uh, I'm going to steal a few pictures from Chris from last Sunday night. Just a quick shoot through the story so far. Chapter one was the big ask. Nehemiah, hearing the stories of the destruction of Jerusalem that he had never seen, decides that he needs to ask the emperor of Persia if he could have permission and the resources to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild. Chapter two, we called it the Big Bang Theory. And that's because the Big Bang Theory is all about something that explodes into life out of nothing. Well, it wasn't quite nothing in Jerusalem. There was lots of rubble, but something began to grow out of very little. Chapter three was the big build. Remember we heard about all the lists of names, all the people, all the families, all the different sorts of people, people who weren't builders, all joined in to see what they could do, the big build. Chapter four was the chapter that we called the big risk. It was full of doubt and fear and trepidation. Are we doing it right? What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't turn out the way we'd like it to? Chapter five was the big society because they began to realize that in the midst of building everything, there were people being left out. People, people who didn't have enough to eat. People who were having to sell off their farms and their properties and their businesses and were being a bit left out in the whole thing. What's the point of rebuilding this, the infrastructure of the city if the community is broken? Chapter six last week, Michael spoke to us about uh, discerning or hearing God in the middle of it all. And we called it the big message. What is God trying to teach us and say to us as individuals, as a church, as a nation, as a world in the midst of everything going on? Well, today is the big thank you. Nehemiah chapter seven. Verse 1 says this, After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians and the Levites were appointed. And then in verse 4, Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it, and the houses had not yet been built. So do you see that? They, they've obviously reshaped the walls because that gives you the safety within which to actually then build where people are going to live. So the, the people are still living out in the countryside and everything, but so it's not quite ready to be inhabited yet. So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and all the people for registration by families. And then you'll be pleased to know the next 67 verses are lists of names. And at the risk of them, of, Chris having to invade the local primary school's dressing up boxes or whatever to find hats and coats. Uh, we're just going to skip over all of those names. 67 verses of them. I want to, that was in chapter 7. So I want to jump into chapter 8. Verse 9 and 10. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. 
Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then in verse 12, all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Now, they decide in the midst of all this rebuilding that they ought to have a day or a festival or a period of time set aside just to give thanks for everything that has been going on. What a great idea. Now, Nehemiah chapter 8, look, there's chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13. And you don't get to the final dedication of the whole thing until nearly the end. So we're in the middle. And you would think, why, why would you stop to give thanks in the middle rather than wait until it's all done? You know what? It's really good to stop and give thanks at any time. It's something very encouraging and something very uplifting and something that gathers people around the good things and and for a little while anyway puts away all the difficulties and all the things that seem wrong. And if we look around our own little society at the minute, it's just so easy to say it's not working or nothing's good. And the voices are many. And of course, many of the things aren't good and lots of things aren't working. But it can become the prevailing noise all around us is that it is all hopeless. So I think we should stop every now and again, just like they did in the Bible, and decide that there are some things are worth just pausing to give thanks for. And that's what we're doing today. Of course, the church does it every year in what we know as harvest. But this year is very different from many other years. So we're stopping to give thanks. And Chris will be leading us in our prayers later on, and there are going to be opportunity to give thanks. We've got cards out, a harvest of thanks, where we can send some thank yous to friends and family and people around us and just share this sense of thanksgiving. And there are a couple of verses in the New Testament that are really important for us. Let's take a quick look at Luke chapter 17, a story you'll have known from your childhood, I'm sure. Jesus heals 10 people with leprosy. We're told that he was on his way to Jerusalem, traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now that would be a tricky wee place to be traveling. Both sides of that border. A dispute between people. As he was going into a village, 10 who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, which they had to do because they, they were infectious. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now we need to get the significance of that. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Were the other nine has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now a number of things obviously going on in that story. Jesus again making the point that uh, he responds 
uh, to people in need. Uh, and he responds even more to people when no matter what background they come from, when they respond to his response, as this one Samaritan did. But here the point of this is, this one Samaritan came back to give thanks. And the other nine, they were equally healed. But they never knew what they missed. You see, if you turn to give thanks, you may discover yourself looking into the face of God. This one came and knelt down and gave thanks and found himself looking into the face of Jesus. There's something about this allowing a sense of praise and of worship and of thanksgiving to rise up from within us that will take us to a place where we may meet God. Next verse I'd like to take us to. And this was the verse from the very first week of lockdown for all of us. Do you remember this from Philippians chapter 4? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Can I just say, let me stick my hand in my pocket here. Yes, they are here. My wee one left in this little uh, tray of them. My Rennies that I've started to carry around with me because I find that the acids in my tummy bubbling a lot. Uh, it's just the anxiety of things. The extra pressures on us all. What about if thanksgiving, along with prayer and petition, are actually the the rennies, the actual rennies that will combat our anxiety? Don't be anxious about anything. That seems like quite a phrase to throw at us. Don't be anxious about anything. But there is a but, because there's something you can do that that is, is the healing of it or the remedy of it by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Having the courage to give thanks to God, to, to speak it out in front of him, along with the prayers and the petitions as the counter to the anxiety that will well up within us. Could I take you to a final verse? This is in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17 and 18. And verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray continually. You, have, you begin to think, could it get any more difficult? Rejoicing always and praying continually. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. I first came across this verse uh, way back in my young adulthood 
reading a book called From Prison to Praise by someone called Merlin Carruthers. It was standard reading way back then, uh, certainly among the young people that I was part of. And he was someone who had been put in prison for a variety of things and had come to Christ in that place and found this incredible release in his spirit and in his life and in his prison cell through grasping hold of this, these verses of rejoicing always and praying continually and giving thanks in all circumstances. Not giving thanks necessarily for everything that happens to us, but nonetheless giving thanks in it. Recognising that no matter what's happening around us, the amount of blessing around us in terms of what God has done for us, who we are in Christ, what he has changed in our lives, the hope of transformation in our lives and around us, the possibility of being able to talk directly to the creator of heaven and earth just by speaking out or by thinking it in our heads. The possibility of his hand being on our lives, even when things are awful, that he's working out some sort of purpose some sort of direction for us. There's something about the giving thanks in all circumstances that causes us to lean again into the hands of God, to trust, to know that he's there. It can sometimes take a wee bit of courage, a wee bit of effort to give thanks in all, all circumstances. But there is a breakthrough in there somewhere when we start to give thanks. I think the, the message to us today is threefold. One is that in giving thanks, we may find ourselves gazing into the face of Christ. That in giving thanks, we may find ourselves beginning to heal the anxiety that is within us. And the third one is that in giving thanks, we may, may find ourselves stronger and more able to live in and through the circumstances that are all around us.